the gates of hell. There will my sword be just. I will enjoy feeding Draegor till then in everlasting night. Then shall you also enjoy the moment when you must choose between kindness for your kin or hate for your enemies. That is nothing. My heart knows only revenge. Good evening, friends, and welcome to another episode of the Lay Film Podcast, where me and my friends here bring you some gems of the film industry. My name is Tyler, one of your co-hosts, and with me today is... Patrick. Evan. And Richie. And today is uh, my pick, and we will be reviewing, I think... Actually, no, this is our second in-theater film, because we just did Memoria last week. I was uh, I was on a hiatus, uh, but this week we'll be doing The Northman, directed by Robert Eggers, um, a revenge piece that I was super hyped, looking forward to, to watch for like a year now. I think we've been talking about it on the pod for quite a while, looking forward to it. Um, but yeah, what did... Uh, just some first impressions. What did you guys think? I love the style of um, Robert Eggers as a director. With all the sprawling long takes and the uh, epic choreography was um, really strong in this film. I just love the way he, uh, yeah, just stitched together these scenes like so seamlessly that it made it look like a long um yeah just like a really long epic yeah i guess i'll give it sorry i'll give it a like quick synopsis too i missed that um prince amleth is on the verge of becoming a man when his father is brutally murdered by his uncle who kidnaps the boy's mother two decades later amleth is now a viking who raids slavic villages he soon meets a seer Oh, I can't, I don't know how to say that. Ceres, <laughs> who reminds him of his vows, save his mother, kill his uncle, avenge his father. Yeah, I think the, the thing I, I really appreciated about this movie is the dedication to creating this very alluring world that was like drenched in like mysticism and like mythology. And as a huge fan of like movies like Conan, Excalibur, this movie, this, uh, it's probably been, I think the last modern movie I saw that was kind of in the same vein was The Green Knight. And I'm very glad that Robert Eggers decided to, you know, go, f go forward with this movie because I love the, de the dedication that he has you know, and, you know, getting everything as accurate as possible in terms of like showing all the art direction and like all the details and everything. It just makes it all the all the more immersive. That's that's probably the my biggest takeaway takeaway from this movie was a uh, immersion. Um, my exposure to this film before. Was uh, hearing you guys talk about it and then seeing a still image of, I think, Skarsgård in berserker mode in the middle of a village like that still of him with all his abs out 
so I didn't have a lot to go off of. And then I saw a trailer and I think like Kevin, I was like, oh, this looks like literally like the open of Conan <laughs> at certain points. And that got me excited. But uh, my big takeaways and my appreciation for the film was uh, I love the texture and Kevin touched on it. Uh, that a lot of films I always kind of like lose interest immediately when I see if it, if it to me it feels like it's lacking the texture because it's like of whatever reasons and then uh the magic realism it really reminded me of Pan's Labyrinth and how it was trying to skirt the lines between mysticism and reality while maintaining both of this simultaneously yeah for me I this is like the type of movie growing up that I just love. Um, Troy, Gladiator, 300, all that stuff. Braveheart. Um, yeah, Braveheart, all those movies. That's what I grew up watching, like that my dad just always would throw on for me. So this movie coming out, I had like big expectations. Or not big expectations, but I was super hyped and... I feel like I did give it pretty high expectations and my expectations were satisfied. I really, yeah, I really enjoyed it. And I think it was just a great blend of being able to bring in like a, a viewer who's looking for this type of action movie and just, you know, kind of like your Hollywood type of blockbuster, but then also have, yeah, like this great blend of like historical accuracy like you were talking about kevin and just that that artsy vibe that robert eggers brings like i think it just can help people integrate into these these different type of films that aren't just you know cookie cutter and easy to process yeah i like how this world is um well realized and it really builds this mythology of these characters that like each and every one of them stand out i think that the the, the actors that he got whether it's like um willem dafoe or uh, anya taylor joy nicole kidman um like their characters always have like their moments in which we remember them and yeah i just like how um they built these characters have significance and even Amleth uh, going on this Viking journey, like this massive journey where he has to travel like across the land and you can even hear people being aware or that they know um, that story, you know, in which he, his father got killed. And um, yeah, Ethan Hawke was great. I think he carried the, the first portion of the film, in my opinion. Strike. I like how they didn't shy away from the brutality of history. Yeah, definitely. Like there's an intro that's come and see esque. And that's like, yep. And there were different people back then, essentially. They, I would definitely not survive 10 minutes in the Northman's world, which is our world in a way. 
Are you saying that you wouldn't get jacked, Patrick? You wouldn't be no, able I, to adapt? I think I would I could see die. Pat be a super jacked Viking. No. <laughs> if you bought in, if you bought in, Pat, from birth, you'd be a freaking specimen, dude. You're built no. for it. I wouldn't be Pat. I'd be like, I don't know, like Cloud Render or something. Yeah. <laughs> you'd have, and you'd have the sickest, like, red, long, red, luxurious Viking hair. My teeth would somehow be worse. <laughs> I think I'd, I I think I'd give up pretty fast. You though. wouldn't even have teeth, bro. You'd have like rocks, like sharpened rocks stuck right. into your gums. <laughs> I'd be I, I'd be one of those people living in the swamp that the Romans wrote about. They're like these things aren't people. What are these things? <laughs> we got to build a wall. We got to. But yeah, I did love the brutality too. Um, that scene, the scene you're talking about earlier, Pat, where he uh, just raids the village, catches the spear. We all saw it in the trailer. Catches the spear, throws it back. I was just, I was just like, yes, this is exactly what I want right now. And I think it was almost, most of it was one take. I think there was like one or two cuts during that sequence. Which was a cool, cool thing to watch. Did you guys like um, Stellan Skarsgård? Alexander Skarsgård? Oh, I'm sorry, his dad. <laughs> yeah, Alexander uh, Skarsgård. Did you like um, his performance? Like, were you guys a fan of his in any other films? I liked it. I thought he did well. Yeah, I liked him in Zoolander. <laughs> oh shit, was he in Zoolander? <laughs> yeah, I think he's uh, in the gas station scene. Uh, <laughs> holy shit, how old is he in that? <laughs> I have no idea. Yeah. <laughs> he was probably in his like 20s. He was like probably up and coming back then. Yeah, he's in. Yeah, he is in Zoolander. I, lo I love him in Moomins. Classic movements. Uh, I don't know if I've seen him in any movies, but he plays like an abusive husband in uh, Big Little Lies, the HBO TV show. Mm -hmm. And Nicole Kidman, ironically, is his wife that he is uh, abusing in that show. Oh, it's actually kind of I never even put those two things together. And now she's his mom. In this. in this movie, yes. And this movie also goes there in terms of uh, crossing borders <laughs> and, yeah, among other things. Um, I liked him in uh, Generation Kill, this uh, HBO miniseries. Um, about the soldiers that uh, are training in Iraq, I want to say. Um, really great show. Uh, it really captured a time of, uh, you know, post 9-11 and like just our feelings of about the uh, unnecessariness of like the soldiers being over there. And um, yeah, it's such a great show. Brutal. And yep, same creator of The Wire. And he did a great job with that.
All right, well, you guys want to hop into Spoiler Town? Wait, we got to rate it. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah. Rate it. Gotta, Spoiler I Town. Gotta, I got to think of my rating real quick, too. I'll go first. So then I can change after. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'll give it a 4.25 out of 5. Um, Yeah, I just really enjoyed this movie. I know it's not everybody's cup of tea, but for me personally, it just hits all the right points of great action, violence, brutality, the story, the historical accuracy, the cinematography, and just the characters too, and all the in the cast. Will, Willem Dafoe doesn't really have a huge role in the movie, but even his few few scenes, he just steals the scene. Um, yeah, and I just, I think it's cool to the whole play on, or not play, but, uh, it was cool to learn uh, the story of Amleth was kind of, I guess, the, I didn't realize the prototype for Hamlet. Um, which was just a cool little piece of, piece of info. I would have thought Shakespeare was like the the original uh, author of that story. But yeah, no, I, I really enjoyed the film. Uh, I'll give it a four out of five. I love the emphasis on the harsh environment, the harsh people, the importance of symbols and rituals back then. Especially feeling like that's absent now. It feels like this film is a good little like, oh look, this is how like this is how people were able to live back then. And like yeah, these these structures of meaning would allow them to persevere as well as like do like the things you read about in history books, which seem unimaginable now for the average person to be put into his situation. Even though it is just probably a fable or myth. And then I love the uh, integrating of magic realism and I'm not magic realism uh, the mysticism and realism where it plays it both ways the whole time until the end where it's like oh is that real is there really magical stuff happening or is it just this <laughs> or is it just explained logically with our minds as the audience and then uh yeah the only thing negative I had about the film was there's a bit too much I've noticed that with a lot of modern movies, there's a bit too much explaining, especially directly through dialogue. Uh, there's a couple times where someone will repeat something mentioned earlier by a character as it's happening to like cue in the audience, like, oh, this is it's like Valhalla. Or this it's like this, it's this. It's, I know I remember, I can remember. It kind of pulls me out of the movie when they remind me that they set this up. And now they're executing on it. It's like, oh, I, I can remember you're executing on it. And uh, that's probably my only criticism that's major about this film. Um, I'm going to give the film a three and a half out of five stars. Um, Like everyone said, I, I did like the look of the film. And it's really, really stylish for a Viking film. Well, then again, 
I think this is only my second Viking film I've ever seen, besides Valhalla Rising. And um, yeah, I really liked Ethan Hawke in it. When he, even though he had kind of a smaller role, um, I like the how like different they started off the film, and then when we move on to Amleth as our lead protagonist, how much he is more, I guess, stoic and quiet as opposed to his father. And um, yeah, when it comes to the characters, I really liked Anya Taylor-Joy as um, Olga. I think she plays like a sort of a witch. And um, yeah, I love the, the antagonist of the movie played by Clive Spang. Um, I really bought into him being this like um, backstabbing uh, brother, you know, half brother, and he's the the person who is like, you know, jealous and just wants to take. Um, oh fuck, I forgot his name. Ethan Hawke's character uh, is it? Uh, oh, King Arvindel. Like he really wanted his life and yeah i like how that just like kicks off this whole revenge story how amleth um has to i guess uh fulfill his destiny so i really like that kind of um spiritual journey that amleth has to go on and yeah just this film is really macho in the way that like um these guys have to like honor like this code in which they have to continue on, even though, like, yeah, having to choose the other choice probably would have been better in the long run. But anyway, yeah, I think my only like gripes with the film is the choreography uh, in some sequences and some of the action. I felt like, in my opinion, could have been more explicit. And I don't know, I think because. It reminded me of other movies like The Revenant, which I thought was better executed. Um, and it made me like want this movie to do more. Um, yeah, other than that, um, I really enjoyed it for the most part. Uh, like Tyler said earlier, Willem Dafoe really kills it in the few scenes that he was in. And um, yeah, Nicole Kidman, she's really good at playing um you know a crazy like sadistic queen who's like just conniving behind the scenes and uh yeah that's my rating i'm gonna give this movie a 3.75 i once again the emphasis on immersion is what really pulled me into this movie uh it felt like I had been waiting to watch a movie like this, like it had been a while. And because these types of movies, they I love to just sink into them and just forget about the world for a few hours every time I watch these kinds of movies where they're so disconnected from our timeline. However, they are very timeless in in a lot of the motifs and uh, tales of, mor of morals and everything. Um, it was touched upon earlier the ritualistic 
emphasis as well is something that I really, really enjoyed from this movie. Um, it felt like there was a huge undertaking to be had in order to like ascend to a more actualized version of oneself. And it felt very, it, it felt awesome to be able to watch that on screen in this very primitive tale. Um, and whether it was like the score or visuals or performances, I, I thought that it was all very well executed. It felt very tight and concise at times. Um, some things that kind of turned me off from it a little bit were uh, uh, I felt like some of the per characters that were introduced were somewhat underutilized at times, um, as opposed to other ones which were overutilized. Uh, it felt like it was trying to maintain a tight balance between all of these, but um, for some reason it, it didn't feel like it was uh, as concise as uh, I as I prefer. However, because I don't know, I I ended up walking away from this movie appreciating a lot of other movies that are within the same vein as this as well. Um, one movie that reminds me of this is The Juniper Tree, which is an Icelandic film from, I want to say, early 1990s. But uh, that's also that also stars Bjork in it. And Bjork's like one of my favorite performers ever. Uh, I've only seen her in like a few films. Um, the last one I saw her in was uh, Dancer in the Dark, which that movie is like once you see it, like there's no other movie quite like it. Um, so it was really cool to see her actually come back to films after that very long stint of, you know, having not been in one. Um, but I feel like that character was so, I don't know if it was underutilized or, um, or what, but I, I just ended up wanting just a little bit more from like that kind of, from the character that she had as well as uh, a bit more of Willem Dafoe's character. Although, I will say, I was uh, satiated in the end. Just, like, I don't want to get too much into spoilers with his character. Um, but, yeah, I think that the sheer dedication to, like, mythology, to, you know, reintroducing it once again to the greater scope of uh, audience members, and... I, I also just want to say that this year has been amazing for for theaters um, in terms of like movies that are coming to it because like in this movie came out in like what April of uh, in, in at least our area. Um, I feel like within uh, the span of like January up till now, I have like gone to the movies more times than I have within like the past like three years, like even before. The pandemic hit um yeah it's just it's just a wonderful year for for any any kind of movie goer and this is definitely like a huge spectacle and if you're a fan of uh medieval um dark fantasy magical realism like pat mentioned um or just want to like sink in to a movie where you can just be immersed by like all of these strange interconnected uh, qualities that are just so ingrained like in us since like the dawn of like storytelling with like myths and all of these important lessons I, I definitely recommend this movie as well 
I feel like when I was watching this, it's like watching a Elden Ring side quest. It's like <laughs> there's a lot of Elden Ring elements in this movie. Maybe that's another reason why I liked it so much because I've been playing a shit ton of Elden Ring. Hear me. Forged by the deadliest warsmiths ever to crawl from under the great worm's belly. A sword of the most secretive rare iron. Bound with bone of the Jotinar. Weightless in its owner's hand, yet like a dragon's fang, its bite can never be dulled, never broken nor bent. Its blade could only be quenched in human blood. It is a battle flame like none other. Its name, Troigar, the Undead. It is fated. Yeah, there's a there's a lot of great one-off moments that really set the visual or set the tone for like this uh, visual fable, where it's very it feels very cyclical at times. However, it, it's constantly moving forward after it, you know, reaches a its its beginning point. Um, I assume that we're in spoiler territory now, right? Or oh yeah, okay. Um. Like the Tyler, like you mentioned, like the um, how it feels like Elden Ring. The moment that that really stood out to me was when, when he, gets he the sword. yes, when he gets the sword. Yes. And then, out. wait, what were you saying, Pat? I was flipping out in the theater. It's kind of, <laughs> it's I mean, really it felt like yeah, like it's, a, he's fighting a boss. Yeah, oh, yeah like like too. like Pat said, it, it definitely feels like it's like pulled. Like, it's like the modern version of Conan. And that was... It's just so amazing to, like, see that kind of descent. Like, he's literally unearthing the past and delves into this this tomb where a former king, like somebody in his steed or in, or his father's steed, could have easily been. And he, now he has to, like, prove his worth in order to take the sword or in order to unsheath it. It's... It's so rich in folklore and the way that he's like able to conquer uh, his foe, it, 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 it just seems like the perfect balance between um, using intellect as well as uh, physical prowess, um, you know, by just accidentally getting them in the moonlight notices that something happens because clearly this foe is much stronger than than Amleth is. Uh, like he's he was a former king, <laughs> like a warrior king, and now he has to like prove his worth. Like I don't know. There's just so many brilliant moments like that throughout this movie. That Tyler, like you mentioned, they all feel like side quests, a part of like this larger quest of him, you know, taking back his honor <laughs> from uh from his uncle. I want to say the you you cued me onto it just now. But yeah, the way he defeats the the sword bearer before him is by pushing him into the moonlight. And that, it hit me like, oh, it's it's I wonder if this is like a in, implied meaning. But again, it's like the it's the inverse of the sword. 
So yeah. it's, like, it's like an implied balance of whatever's down there with the sword can't surface again because the sword could only be drawn under the moon and in the dark. The, the night blade. Yeah, but the being that's holding it that he has to defeat cannot be exposed to the moon. <laughs> it's just like a great little detail. Like, oh, these couldn't. I don't know. It just gives it more mysticism now that I'm thinking about it. Of like the, you know, it's like it's like a, it's a fictional, all-powerful thing, but it's a direct contradiction of itself. Like, oh, and then he takes the sword. <laughs> I love the yes. name. I think of the fourth chapter. It's like the Nightblade feeds. Is that what it is? Yeah. The night yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Did, did you guys ever wonder like where he hid the sword? I think he just buried it in a rafter. He put or it like side? the, of yeah, like the roof or whatever. Like mm. the roof, roof dirt or something. Yeah. When he he crawls out vertically and it's like right there, I think. I just love the little crumb. Conan bit. I love that part of the first Conan movie so much. So when it was kind of recreated here, I loved it. And then once he defeats the guy, it's a fun it's a fun twist of again playing it both ways of like, did he fight the corpse thing for the sword or was it all in his head? I think he definitely fought it. When he defeats it, it cuts back and he's just like, I don't know. Like yeah, and he's still there. I think he does. It makes him more badass. It's like some ancient mythology, spiritual. <laughs> like it's like Elden Ring. He went into a portal, dude, and fought this guy. Right. And came back out the portal, and unlocked a new weapon. It's like you have to prove your worth in order to yeah move on with this uh, narrative that's being spun by the by this being that's so intertwined with fate that they literally write it themselves like I love that so much um yeah like it's it's really hard for me to talk about this movie without talking about Conan because these movies are like two sides of the same coin uh just from like different areas as well as like different time periods um I love I love how each character starts off as just a child and their youth is stripped away within like the first few moments of screen time that we get with them. Um, and then they're sort of plunged into this, this, this tale of, okay, now you must ascend in order to conquer this foe or this, these forces or this power that is against you. And you just see them struggle. It's 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 literally like the tale of like Sisyphus in in a way, where this person is just constantly struggling to push that boulder up the hill in order to watch it fall down. And it's like, okay, but was it worth it in the end? Um, and it's and you soon find out that no, like that kind of thinking isn't isn't what it's centered on. It's all centered upon like the byproduct of undertaking the journey it's all about the initiation of it yeah it's a good it's a good the film's about revenge the character acknowledges like oh i've already 
better stuff has happened. I don't need, maybe I don't really need revenge, but then he's kind of, he's on the boat looking back and he's like, but I got to. Bjork, the sister of fate, <laughs> spinning her loom of my fate of thread has told me I got to do it. And he's like, I, I guess I got to go do it. I mean, it totally makes sense that he had to go do it, you know, because um, otherwise, like, he would always be haunted by that. Not only by, like, um, you know, training all his life to uh, complete this mission, but also to, like, protect his, his future family. Yeah, I enjoyed hit Anya Taylor Joy's character too. She had, yeah, she had a subtle, like Kevin mentioned, quick, quick grow up, really quick. I think she she's in the background or she's in the Berserker village attack, like saving a younger sibling from being burned alive or trying to. And the next thing she knows, she's being shipped off and branded. But she's plotting her revenge and her escape. Yeah. I loved her, like, witchcraft sorcery. She pulled on everybody with uh, the dogs and then getting all the, all the, the guys. Yeah, the mushrooms to commit suicide. I was just jaw dropped, like, what is happening? The guy's, like, stabbing himself in the throat. <laughs> Yeah, she played such an alluring character. Like, even though she doesn't have um, strength in that way, like in terms of uh, physical force, she she's really cunning and that she can use um, uh, her abilities to like, interact with people and to be really sneaky. And and like you said, like she used her uh, her witchcraft and just uh, feeding them all basically like. These uh, poisonous mushrooms. Um, yeah, I, I like that they gave her a lot to do in this. She made a really good foil to to Amleth, especially in terms of um, the emotional part of the journey, in which she uh, you know can empathize with him because they both had really tragic pasts. Um, well, do you guys want to give some closing thoughts on the film? Yes. Sure. Uh, shout out to Gunnar, or G Gunnar, <laughs> my redhead compadre, uh, the only good son of Kidman, <laughs> not Kidman, of, uh, wait, is he the, is he like the, the brother? He's the like 12 year old. Younger sibling, stepbrother. I don't know how you would frame He's it. He's not the one that gets killed, right? He gets killed. Well, he does. The he does get killed. They all get killed. They all get killed. I'm sorry. <laughs> He's not the <laughs> the one that gets stabbed. He was like 20, right? Or oh no, uh, I, I, no, no, I that's his other brother. About, that's his. Pat, mm -mm. Yeah, you're talking about. Let's talk about the youngest one. 
Yeah. The one who yeah. almost uh, gets gets their skull cracked yeah, open during the game or whatever. Mm-hmm. I I really liked that scene too. I think that that's probably one of the easily one of the more memorable ones for me. Like I like how it sort of shifted away from like the tale of like vengeance for a bit and sort of gave Amleth some time to, you know, explore this other world outside of like his uh his calling. And it was in like such a such a cool way because like here's like somebody who is clearly like a like a tower, like a looming figure. But at the same time I feel a bit conflicted about it because it's like I notice like all of these um these pre or the all all of these like signals or these cues that are being pitted against this main character like it all feels like it's so deeply entrenched in like a, such a classical form of storytelling at at times it came off a bit tiring to me but in this movie it didn't feel that way like as much as it could have been Yeah, like I like there's like a lingering kinship, uh, not as much with the older brother who's a piece of shit, but like he's aware that they're technically related, <laughs> and he's a kid. And when that guy's about to kill him, he goes like berserk mode on him. It's a fun yeah. little exploration of like, wait, this is gonna be harder than just killing his uncle and rescuing his mom. <laughs> There's a uh, there's investment. There's there's new relationships. There's all this other stuff he didn't even think about, and he's gonna have to re- reconcile that within himself as well as with, you know, solving this whole revenge scheme. Yeah, if he was really cold blood and just out for revenge of killing his uncle, he'd let that kid get his head smashed in. That's what, that just made me think of do you guys remember the scene it's like i think it's like the funniest scene in the in the movie <laughs> the older brother is looking at alexander skarsgård and he's like don't look me nice slave and then <laughs> tries to sock him like right in the in the rib as hard as he can and he and alexander skarsgård doesn't even budge he just eats it like it almost hurt it almost hurt his fist by punching his abs moments like the uh the gates of hell yeah yeah that that had like such a huge excalibur moment wait are you talking the um during the volcano like up at the volcano right yeah i like when the sword when they talk about the sword that the the night blade yeah it only open in the pure darkness under the moon at night or at the gates of hell. It's like, oh, okay, we're going up that mountain they showed earlier in the film. <laughs> we're going up there somehow. I remember I was like, I was excited we got there. But yeah, I, I love that fight scene. That Yeah, and I love that they're naked. It's yep, like yeah. Roman, Roman pottery is what it reminded me of right away. Like, oh, it's like that. It, yeah, it, was, un- it was unfortunate. For Robert Eggers, that he didn't get to see, you know, Viking penises. Should have shown it. <laughs> yeah, it would have been nice to see some dicks slinging around in that scene. 
would have been kind of funny to just see it like a tip of a wing get cut off and just alexander skarsgård just screams like a savage like it's nothing just ah he goes youch <laughs> that ain't shit bitch. that ain't shit i still no, got on, seven out, inches i still got seven <laughs> inches after you cut that off Stop, dude. <laughs> yeah, that, I really enjoyed the final fight as well as it felt, again, <laughs> mystic, but also maybe realistic, but really not, but maybe. Yeah, it must have taken them days to get up there. That's all hot. So, like, okay, let's just take off our clothes. <laughs> <laughs> I love the scene, too. Once he, you know, he chops, chops his head off. As he also is stabbed in the heart and the just the look of him riding riding to the gates of Valhalla that seemed as like the Valkyries dreaming was, in the cosmos. That was a perfect. That was a perfect point because like I think he says like it's Valhalla or something, doesn't he? Uh, it's been a while. His dying, his last words. Yeah, doesn't he talk about it? Or? No, I think he's. I think he sees. It's like he, yeah, he gets like a message from, uh, gosh, I forget her name on your Taylor Joy's character in the film. Olga. Olga, yeah. She's like, we're safe now. And then I think it's just, I don't think he says anything. I think he just sheds a tear. Maybe it's early. Because he sees Valhalla twice. And maybe the first time he sees it. Yeah, that's when he's in the spa. Yeah. Or the hot spring. I remember thinking, like, don't don't say it. Just show us. I, I can put it together. He talked about the Valkyries yeah. and Valhalla. Yeah. Just, just show it happening. Yeah. Do you think, though, that people need that? Some people? Like, not I you. Think, uh, not us. Not you. I think if they don't get it, they'd, if they really cared, they'd look it up. They'd, <laughs> know, they'd maybe daydream about it, make up their own meaning, which is more than just telling them. True. I mean, it is a pretty big budget movie. I'm sh- I'm sure like the studio had some part in that too, you know. Yeah, I'm sure they're like no dicks at the final fight. No, I'm I'm gonna give a hot take on Robert Eggers. The guy is like a modern day Kubrick, um. And that he is so dedicated to the technicalities of everything that I always walk away from his movies feeling cold, like emotionally speaking. Like, I don't feel any sort of, uh, I don't relate to any of the characters, which is really strange. Um, Kubrick has like, like some movies that I relate to the characters, like mainly like Barry Lyndon, um, but outside of that, like, it just seems like the movies are so. It's almost like watching like a, like the inner workings of a clock in a way, like you see all the gears turning and it's just like this magnificent. Craft and but I like I said, I don't know what it is, but I never. I never resonate emotionally and and these movies like I've, I've seen the witch the lighthouse northman 
Like, I, I get that there's bits and pieces of it there, but it just does not land for me for some reason. That isn't to say I don't enjoy those movies, because those are all really, really great movies. Um, they're all incredibly memorable, too, like just for like the atmosphere. And I think that that's maybe what it is for me, is that these all feel more atmospheric to me rather than uh, with the emphasis on like interpersonal uh communication and like connection so that's just my i just wanted to voice that i i agree completely on the lighthouse in this movie northman i was gonna say with the witch something there's like a bittersweet not jesus christ a bittersweet it really for some reason that final scene really resonated with me i didn't feel good but i was like oh i felt i did feel some connection but I completely 100% agree with The Lighthouse and this movie, like especially this one. This one feels like you're reading Hamlet. And it's, you know, it's like Shakespearean structures and all that. So it's there's like an alienation disconnection from like directly empathizing and relating to the characters. You know, it's like the, the syntax and the prose where it feels removed from the story. I definitely get that with this movie. I can kind of see what you're talking about, Kevin, when you say that. Just because of how um, detail-oriented and meticulous of a director um, Robert Eggers is, and Kubrick was similar. Um, yeah, I just hope, like, whatever he does next, maybe he's going to do different genres or something. Because at least with Kubrick, like, you know, he, he hopped around different genres um you know like dark comedy or like uh sci-fi uh he did more films like i would love to see what um robert eggers take would be on other sorts of stories um as if i've heard that he would never make a um film about uh like the modern day like he would always make a period piece all right I am going to say it. Robert Eggers is a coward. <laughs> He's a coward <laughs> because he chooses to hide behind the veil of historical pieces. If it isn't a historical piece, it's going to be Nosferatu, which is already said and done multiple times. Let's see something that deals with modern social issues that can be mythical, however interwoven with modern day setting get some vulnerability in there show some emotional depth uh don't rely on fantastical set pieces uh grade a actors like let's just get raw rather than like i you could tell that he came from a theater background because everything is just so it's so meticulous. It's so he he's so conscientious when it comes to like every single little detail. But I would argue that it's auteurship to like it, like there's too much there's too much auteurship. There's too much control. Way too much control. Like it's Kubrick gone wild. <laughs> and I will catch some heat for that, but I do not care. Write to me. Write to me at layfilmpodcast at gmail.com. <laughs> Say, Kevin, you are wrong. You are stupid. I hate you. 
I don't care. I want to read it. <laughs> I feel like it's a double-edged sword, though, because I think I kind of did enjoy the fact that I've I feel like a lot of movies these days have to throw shoe in not shoe in but they it feels like a shoe in because they don't know how to do it organically where they have to shoe in some you know whatever touch on an issue today whether it's a qual like a quality uh like the feminist movement every all, anything like that like not discrediting any of those things of course but it seems like like the Marvel Avengers scene, like I like with all the girls, like it was cool, but it was so cheesy. It was such like it just felt like a shoe in. Whereas this, at least, there's no, you know, there's none of that. But also, you're you you're also yeah. Let's get raw. Let's get real. I, I I'm with you on that too. Well, Kevin. like my my rationale behind it is like there's this thing that I always think about when it comes to uh any kind of like modern or not modern but just artwork in general uh and it always relates back to uh my dinner with andre where two people are just talking about the importance of art and like and its role in 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 their lives and it's like they say that uh most art usually holds up a mirror to society and then that's simply it. Like they don't really do much outside of that. And it's like, okay, I notice like these flaws in myself. That's great. What am I supposed to do with it? But it's like, there's, you have to put in a little bit more effort to transcend that initial, uh, that initial action of showing, you know, the worst parts in humanity or not. It doesn't even have to be the worst parts or like any flaws really. But it's like, if you're going to comment on something, don't just comment on it. You know, like, actually take it a step above that. And I, I don't feel like with, like, The Lighthouse, Northman, The Witch, like, like I said, I enjoy all those movies. However, I don't feel that they transcend uh, the medium to where it's just a story that I remember, whether it's for, like, the characters. Like, it doesn't even have to be about, like, and like social issues even it, it just has to be memorable to me for one reason or another like this movie is memorable to me for its own reasons but not where it cuts me at my core like whether it's like uh like sadness happiness like any range of human emotion i just want emotion that's all i want <laughs> Where's Rachel? maybe he's just i don't know Maybe he's just scared of the modern world and or maybe he doesn't know how to tell a story about our current climate. Um, I mean, when I heard that, I mean, I was pretty disappointed to hear that because I wanted his take on other things. But, you know, he's an entrepreneur, he's an artist and I mean, he's pretty privileged enough to do whatever he, the heck he wants, I feel after having these three films. Um, I don't know. I don't know. I'm, I'm kind of split on that. I'm not sure how to feel, but um, like, yeah. You know what Robert Eggers feels to me? Uh, he feels like Goku when he turns Super Saiyan and then Super Saiyan 2 and then Super Saiyan 3 <laughs> and then on and on and on. Like... Yeah. 
Like, it's the reason why I stopped watching Dragon Ball to begin with. It's like... Don't you disrespect Goku. I'm not I'm not disrespecting Goku. I'm 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 just saying I get a little bit tired when the ante is is upped, but there's no stakes, you know? Like it doesn't feel like it's just sort of gone way beyond uh limbo. Yeah. Yeah, where it feels too distant from Earth, like in a figurative way. Um like there's too much distance. Like the Fast and the Furious movies. <laughs> yeah, if we're talking one or Tokyo Drift, like, no, I'm kidding. You're but yeah, family. Just, <laughs> I, I empathize. Know. I empathize with the fear or whatever reason for modern movies, but it's like no one makes modern movies. No one truly makes modern mo- moderns about mo- movies about modern times. I can't think of one. Don't look up. Um, no, that's 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 a what's it called? That's like a. It's a disaster movie. It's a disaster movie. It's it's an affirmation of your. It's it's an affirmation of the desire to see the end. Which isn't reality. Mm-hmm. Like we're we're not gonna wake up tomorrow and climate change has gotten so bad, that uh a meteor hits earth and we all die instantly and we get to see it no the probably true reality is like our grandkids or something is going to be uh, i don't know like this connects to my take on the batman movie which i will give later <laughs> in the after dark <laughs> but even though that doesn't capture the full like no it's it's we're if you're gonna do modern no one's do a broad yard and just do the do the witch but make it modern the absence of spirituality. I just hit my fucking mic. God damn it. <laughs> Pat's getting my whole fired point. up. <laughs> I ruined my whole point. I look like no, I'm joking. But yeah, just do 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 make come on. But man. then Robert Eggers would probably be making paranormal activity. That's not yeah, but the that's, reboot with Anya Taylor Joy. <laughs> that's a whole that's 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 just a cash grab. That's just money. That's a money movie. I'm talking the real stuff, and I believe he could because the witches. I think it has like the ground roots of like I. I love that. That feels very relatable. Where yes. she's yeah, the Puritan experience, the alienation from your own faith, the ostracization from your community and family, and all this other stuff. It's like yeah, just just make that modern and integrate some other more current issues or commentary you have about it. I'd love to see that film. I, again, like you said, Richie, he has the opportunity to make it, so please do. <laughs> yep, and I think we're all really saying this just out of respect for Robert Eggers. I mean, you know, he's he's an incredible talent. Oh, absolutely, and, uh, without yeah. a doubt. And um, yeah, I mean, he was born to make films. Obviously, the guy is a fucking like he's already really great at it for his age, and he's got so much left in the tank and. Yeah, I just I just can't wait to see what he does next. Like Nosferatu, um, I'm down to see that. So, all right. Well, thank you everyone for listening. Follow us on Instagram at LayFilmPodcast. Email us. Comment, throw some suggestions. 
Give us a hot take. Freaking hate on one of us if you want. <laughs> <laughs> Do whatever you want. <laughs> <laughs> we'll bring you on if you want to come on we'll bring you on as long as you're yeah i would like love that. that'd be amazing like just you don't we could not even like you at all and we'd still bring you on just yeah, no we'll, slurs we'll, that's the threshold yeah, you can say yeah, anything like, else <laughs> make them take a late film quiz yeah like no no actual hate speech just like full-on like wrestling hate speech like we'll we'll even help you make your own like spots to air on our like podcast, like uh, where so and so, I'm coming after you. We could make it like a like a special, <laughs> like each episode, and like like in Family Guy when they're going to the weatherman. <laughs> and now we're going to Jim over here, and he's like, "This movie fucking sucked." All right, I'm out. <laughs> But yeah, thanks for listening. Peace out. I will meet you at the gates of hell. At the gates of hell? You will find me. And there you will die. By the hand that killed your father. Hey.